You're about to listen to a message from the Life Point Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Okay, so last week um, we spoke about emerging in service and how service is the pathway to significance. And we established three big thoughts. I'm going to be building on one of those thoughts further. And it's the fact that our service isn't acceptable to God when it is devoid of love. And I know, hey, we're in February, it's the month of love, or well, the month where in which love is celebrated. So service isn't acceptable where it is devoid of love. We established that thought last week, and I want to build on that. And I was explaining how that, yes, this is a day to Valentine's Day. How many people have bought Valentine's gift already? How many people are expecting to receive Valentine's gift? Amen. Some people, they ask this by faith right now. It's a confession. <laughs> by faith. Can I see the by faith gang? Your hands up. Amen. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, hopefully. Ah, somebody is saying hopefully. It is well. Anyway, guys, but let me just put this out there. No pressure. No pressure. Whether you get a gift or you don't get a gift. Ah. Somebody's son already died for you. That's the greatest gift of all. Amen? The greatest gift. The greatest gift. So whether a box of chocolate comes or a box of cake. The greatest gift. So whether a box of chocolate comes or a box of cake. Okay. Dami says that or a box of nothing. Either ways, you already have the greatest gift, and that counts for something. In fact, that is everything. I promise you, that is everything. The one who makes your life have sense, make meaning, or make sense and have meaning. Whichever one you want to collect, then either of those phrases. So, but today, we had breakfast Sunday. Some of you missed it. Uh, Well, we had breakfast. Today is breakfast Sunday, so we had breakfast in church. Some people made it in early enough. For those who couldn't, it's all right. Um, Maybe you already had your exotic breakfast, so you don't need ours. It's all right. We love you. But I have been fighting this thought all through the week, and the impressions and the nudges that just kept kept coming, you know. Even a few people had conversations with me about it, and it's on the need to, you know, this Bobo Alamaje breakfast something. I was coming, you know, when I was thinking about this February 13th message, I was thinking of a message on consecration, salvation, you know, making heaven. I I was very adamant in my spirit that I will not preach a love message on February 13th. Why? (laughs) But, just follow me. Follow me, I'm going somewhere. Follow me, follow me. Okay? So for the sake of a title for today's message, let's call it the parable of breakfast. <laughs> Amen. The parable of breakfast. If you've been with us at Life Point long enough, don't worry, this is not, um, it's not, it's not original to me. Let me just put it out there. It's not this, this concept of creating parables from everyday existence and everyday normalcy. It's not, it's not, it didn't come from me. It came from P.I. So if you've been in life long enough, you will know that P.I. had taken us on two series, the parable of the airplane and the parable of the traffic lights. Yeah. 
And maybe now is a good time to put out the word there. Pastor Demiladi and anybody who's interested in joining us in right, we should do the parable of Lagos traffic. Very important. I'm sure there are a ton of lessons that we, we can pick out of the parable of Lagos traffic. But for this morning, it's the parable of breakfast. Parable of breakfast. Now, if you've not been in church long enough and you're wondering what is parable, let me just help you. Okay, so Jesus uses everyday things to tell memorable stories that illustrate spiritual truth. Okay, we see parables in the scripture where Jesus would just use this every so he would use the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, you know, and a ton of others. In fact, I think Jesus would have told maybe at least 36 parables in the New Testament. So he uses everyday regular stuff that people can relate with. You know, he would use that to bring out lessons about the kingdom of God, about financial stewardship, you know, about heaven, hell, about different things, about, you know, exp explaining his love, the love God has for us. He would use parables to teach these lessons. Hence why we are borrowing from Jesus this morning to teach the parable of breakfast. We all know what breakfast is, right? Is anybody here who does not understand what breakfast is? Let me help you. So it's often called the most important meal of the day. Personally, I don't know why it is. Because breakfast, when I have breakfast in the morning, if I can eat before 8 o'clock, I'm useless for the day. I'm just slow. You know, maybe I've been feeding wrongly. I've been told maybe just have greens. You have like a green smoothie. Everything is green. You know, green coffee. Because I like coffee. You, if you have that and you don't load up too much, you should be light. It doesn't work for me. I'll just be sleepy. I'll just be slow. Anyway, they have said that it's the most important meal of the day. Okay? Um, and as the name suggests, it means you are breaking your overnight fasting period. Yeah? You are breaking your overnight fasting period. Now, colloquially, or is it colloquially? Someone needs to help me pronounce that word. Colloquially? Colloquially? Colloquially. You know it, just pronounce it in your mind. Yeah? The word breakfast has now been, it now means different things in our generation. Yeah? In fact, <laughs> and I've been in, lately I've been meeting people that have been served breakfast. <laughs> served in the morning. It's even in the morning they receive their breakfast. So very, you know, as they were breaking their overnight fast. A message came in, or they received a call. Mm. If that is you, just say it is well. Ah, that's the old church. <laughs> it is well with us all. But for our parable today, we're going to be searching scripture. Yeah? I'm not going to tell you the story of a boy that served a girl breakfast, or a girl that received breakfast, or a girl that served a boy breakfast. Mm -mm. We're going to see, we're, we're, we're getting our parable from, the, from, from scripture, yeah? So let's examine a very different type of breakfast that was served, yeah? Go to the book of John, chapter 21. The book of John 21. And we'll start reading from verses 3. And just in case there's someone in the room who doesn't understand what breakfast means or what it means when we say people have been served breakfast. In this particular context that we're talking about today, it is heartbreak. 
So let me just help you. It is heartbreak or rejection. Yeah? Okay. So John 21, I'll start reading from verse 3. Background story. We see here how Jesus would, um, Jesus had died a couple chapters before this. And he had resurrected. He had shown up to his disciples on two different occasions. And Mary Magdalene, if you know scriptures well enough, you'd know this relationship that Mary Magdalene had with Jesus. She, had, she was privileged to be the first person to see him. Um, but in chapter 21 here, let's read from verse 3. Okay, so Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Peter was talking to his companions. I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Sound familiar? Remember there was a scripture as well, an experience that Peter had where he toiled all night and caught nothing. So this was a similar experience. So they had gone out, um, gone fishing with an objective, but they did not get any fish. It says, verse 4, But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? The translation refers to that particular phrase as friends, so that Jesus called them friends. But hey, friends or children, the question was clear. Have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Hold that thought. If you're using a paper Bible, it might be nice to mark it. If you're using digital Bible, you can also highlight. We'll come back to it. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and he dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Come and eat breakfast. So we see here that Jesus served breakfast. Amen? Yes. But he served a different type of breakfast. He served a different type of breakfast. We're going to read verse 15, but before then, if you recall, if you are in service last week, when we were talking about service that is devoid of love isn't acceptable, we read from this same John 21, but we read from verse 15. And I told you that there were things that um, happened prior to that conversation Jesus would have. How many people were in church last week where I was saying that Jesus, I mean, if you go to verse 15, there it says, so when they had had breakfast, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, you know, Jesus begins to have intense and deep conversations with Peter, but not on an empty stomach. 
If you recall last week, I mentioned that it was a, the questions Jesus would go ahead to ask were questions bordering on priority and preference. Yeah? We established that last week. But our focus is what happened before. Because in verse 15, we might as well just read it now because I've been referencing it. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? We didn't dwell on what did these meant, but we can understand what these is now, right? For those who were in church last Sunday. These references, the fish that had been caught, the nice breakfast that they had been served. So do you love me more than all of these things? And these represent different things to us um, as individuals. When we are um, facing the priority question, yeah? So our focus is verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Jesus models to us the concept of love, which is very different from what exists in our world today. And we have a couple lessons we can tease out of this John 21. And the first thing that I want to help someone here understand, it's probably not new information, but somebody needs to hear it again. And scripture says that the entrance of God's word brings light. My prayer for you today is that you would encounter light in the name of Jesus. For that particular burden, for that particular issue, and even just for your life in general, that you would engage with light today. Amen. So the first thought is this, God is love. God is love. He does not have love. He does not show love. It is who he is. Let me say that again. Because there's a way we think about God and we say, oh, God shows us that he loves us. Yes, he demonstrates his love for us, but it is his nature. It is not something that he took on. It is who he is. And Jesus goes ahead with this um, John 21 here. In addition to several other things that he has done for us or done with the disciples that we see in scripture. So prior chapters reveals Peter's denial. Let's start from there. Because on this whole breakfast table, we are on different sides. We have people in the room or online who are on the side of the server. You are the one that serially serves. You are the one that always has the, it is not about you, it is me. Sound familiar? Some of us are on the receiving side. You are the one that gets served. And you have got it to that point. Maybe there's somebody in the room here, let me help you. You've got it to that point where you, are, you, have, you have believed that you, have the, you, ha, you, ha, you are the problem. Yes, that's exactly what it is. You have believed and you have accepted that you the problem because you are the one that gets dumped you are the one whose heart gets broken all the time you're the one who gets rejected now when i'm going to speak i mean just talking through here i want the people in the category who who have experienced any form of rejection and it doesn't have to be even relational it could be you know you were trying to relocate visa didn't come through they denied you it could be a work you applied for a job you didn't get the job what you had hoped for you applied to, get, to study a particular course in a particular school, you got a rejection, and you're dealing with that hurt. You're dealing with that pain. This message is also for you. So God is love. That's a deep reminder that we need to consistently say, God is love. Regardless of the things that are happening in and around me, God is true to his nature. He is who he says he is. He is who I know him to be. Now, 
Look at the things that Jesus dealt with prior to this John 21. I mean, yes, Jesus is God in human form, but follow me here. Because even when he was on earth, he, the scripture says that we don't have a high priest that isn't touched with the feeling of our own infirmities. He was tempted on every side, yet he didn't sin. That is Jesus. So it means that the things that you and I deal with, the things that face us, you know, backstabbing friends. He had a, a bit of that. They didn't backstab him, as, of course, aside from Judas, who sold him off, kissed him in front of him. In fact, sold him right to his face. He had that to deal with. This was somebody he ate with, somebody who probably, you know, spent, I was going to say spent the night with, but I, I realized that would probably come out wrong. But you get, you get my point. Spent the same time, I mean, spent time with him in the same space. Someone who knew his in and out did that to him. Yes, he understood God's perspective on the matter, but it did not mean that he would not have been hurt. Okay? There's that. There was Peter, who he was saying to Peter, calm down. He said, no, don't worry me. Ah, if everybody denies you, me and you are on this matter together. And three times he would deny Jesus. The human part of him, how would he have handled that? And again, how we know that it was human was that the Mount of Transfiguration, where he would say to God, if it's possible, can this cup pass over me? Because he knew what laid ahead. So because sometimes we talk, we talk about Jesus and we're like, yes, he's superstar, absolutely. He's God in, in human form, God in humanity, yes. But that experience at the Mount of Transfiguration just brings it home for us, brings it closer home. That Jesus at some point felt like, man, what is before me? God, I understand the plan, oh, I see it clearly, but it is hard. And he needed to be endued with strength in a time where he felt weak. So Jesus had these types of people, you know, Peter who deny him. That's the equivalent of being rejected in, in our own day. There was Thomas who had walked with him for so long. And yet, I mean, Thomas heard, the, Thomas heard all of the prophecies. Thomas heard everything Jesus said he would do, but still doubted. When they came to tell him that Jesus has risen, he's not in the tomb anymore. Thomas said, I don't believe. Until I touch his hand, until I touch his side, that's when I will believe. I want to see it. I want to feel it. And Jesus honored his request, humored him, showed up to him and showed him his hands and his side. But he had a Thomas in his life. The disciples' abandonment in a critical time, that is also something significant and probably sounds familiar. In your time of need, your friends that have been there with you when the going was good, all of a sudden, you can't find them anymore. When there's no lao lao spending, they evolved, everybody has retired to their homes. Nobody calls you up anymore and says, let's hang out. Why? Because they know you're now broke. And they're worried that you'll be asking them to borrow you money. So everybody stays away. In your time of need, sound familiar. So we can see that Jesus had a bit of, you know, these, these things around him. But look at what he does. He shows up. These guys were not seeking him out. They weren't the ones looking for him. He shows up at the shore. He knew that they were going to be there. They would be on sea. He calls out to them and says, children, you know, have you caught anything? Do you have food? And they say, oh, we haven't caught nothing. He then instructs them on what to do. 
They go ahead, they catch. That's when they, their eyes are even opened to recognize that this is the Messiah. This is Jesus. And so he would invite them over to the shore. They land there. Again, they landed and see what the scripture says. He says that they saw coals of fire already burning with bread and fish on it. Right? Was Jesus planning to feast all alone? What do you think? Yeah? Anybody? Okay, sorry. I've assumed evening service position. We always talk in evening service. My opinion is this. Jesus obviously knew that he was going to have this engagement with the disciples. So he wasn't making one person's meal. He wasn't making one person's meal. We don't even know who was doing the cooking, but we assume it was Jesus, right? Because he didn't mention that there's any other person on that shore with him. Despite the fact that Thomas didn't believe, Jesus had already made certain promises before he passed. And he told them what to do. But he kept his side of the bargain, regardless of a doubting heart, regardless of backstabbing friends, regardless of who said what, who did what. His promises are true. Now, I've laid all of this foundation to establish the fact that love is God's nature. It is who he is. And Jesus expresses this unconditional love because that's the kind of love we are called to. See, every other thing we do in our world is conditional. Hardly do you find in this day and age, especially in a world filled with so much unkindness, filled with so much anger. There's just, people are just angry. You drive in Lagos traffic, everybody's just angry. As if there's a competition. The way some people get in front of you, it's as if once they leave, the road just folds up and they are rushing so that the, the, the road doesn't end with them. And you and I, let's check ourselves too. The ways that we are unkind in our day-to-day engagement with others. How are we showing love? Have we turned love to a what you sow is what you reap type relationship? Somebody said yes. Where it is, you give me one naira, I give you one naira. You serve me, I will go and serve others. In fact, I will, I will double it, I will multiply it. And it might be funny, but that's the truth. We've seen people take positions right now, positions that are mean because of the negative experiences that they've had. I remember, I think I must have shared this story a couple years back here about someone who was, you know, speaking. We were, we're having a conversation with some, uh, yeah, some people, and he was sharing his experience growing up, how that he had a cousin of his, as a young adult, his cousin slapped his mom, you know, and I guess he was younger, so he couldn't really do anything about it. Because maybe if he was older, he would have slapped the cousin. But he couldn't do anything about it at that point in time, but it never left him because it hurt him deeply. Fast forward a couple years down the line, this guy is a senior manager in one of the multinationals and needs to recruit Guess who walks into his office for an interview? The cousin. And he was very honest with us to express that, look, 
The emotion of that day, several years back, came welling back. It came up again. And I, there was no way on earth that he could render help to the guy. Even if that he, wasn't, he wasn't ready to be concerned about whether he qualified for it. You know, there is, you qualify, then there is mercy. Plus qualification plus mercy. He was not interested. He said because apparently he had not dealt with that issue. And that is some of us today. Whether it is in a love relationship, whether it is in a work relationship, whether it's in a business partnership, whether it's even authority uh, type relationship, mentor to mentee, or parents to, to, to children, we're holding on to unforgiveness. We're holding, we're really bitter. And we see playing out either to the individuals who have hurt us or to others. Some of us have taken stances that are not inspired by the Holy Spirit in no shape or form about where you marry from or where you will not marry from. Simply because some guy or some girl from a particular tribe did you dirty. And so you have vowed that no way on earth are you having any dealings with these types of people. I want to read from 2 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. One of the scriptures we read last week was from 1 Corinthians 13, speaking about, look, I can speak in tongues, Spanish, Japanese, Mandarin, everything all together. But if I have not love, I am a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. I am a noisemaker. I can offer up sacrifices. I can invest, you know, myself in certain pursuits. I can give up my body to be burned. But when it is devoid of love, God does not value it. And so if we say as God's children that we are living for him and the, the, the quality of our life are things that he doesn't appreciate. Our day-to-day -day existence does not mirror his nature. Then doesn't that mean that we're simply, you know, deceiving ourselves and shortchanging ourselves in the process? Because the things that should count for us, some of us are more interested in the things that are seen on the outward. So you will give to charity, you know, you will do different things. But it is not fundamentally because you care. It is just you know, to check off a box and to make your conscience feel good. Again, John 21, Jesus had every reason to allow them just be going with their unfruitful labor. Haven't toiled all night, no productivity, but he called them and he, he told them what to do. And not only that, he invited them and he served them breakfast. The second thought is this. Jesus knew what they needed. And he had prepared for them before they even got there. The fallout of an unproductive night session or season was a divine meeting with Jesus. And just preparing for this, it was impressed in my heart to remind somebody today. That you see, when God was creating, scripture would say, and the evening and the morning was the first day. And the evening and the morning was the second day. You know, I was listening to someone 
expatiate on that expatiate on that scripture and help us understand that man's timing definitely isn't God's timing. There is an evening and then a morning. So it means that if you are in God, your life cycle must always end in the morning season. And what that means is no matter what is going on at night, no matter what is happening in the night season, there will be a morning because that is when light shines. There is a morning. There is a morning. So you are in a situation right now and you feel as if it is overwhelming you. Say to yourself, there is a morning. My morning comes. My morning comes. Where everything is made right. My morning comes. Where there is a manifestation of that which God has been doing behind the scenes. And it is clear. It is evident to all. My morning comes where all things are working for my good because I love God. And I am called according to his purpose. Your morning comes. That is for someone here today. Your morning comes. And so it is in the morning that Jesus shows up on the scene and he solves their problem. And not only that, he feeds them. That's like a double portion blessing. Because they would have gone home without any fish. But not only did they uh, get fish, but they got fed. And of course, Jesus then has these deeper conversations with Peter and sets him on a purposeful journey. Some of us are experts at worrying about what is God's business when he has already sorted you out. Some of us, we have taken it upon ourselves to worry. I remember having a conversation with one of our pastors, you know, last week, and we we're, were catching up on things generally. And he was explaining to me how he's on rest over a particular matter. He has entered into rest. And I said, oh, yes. You don't have a choice because when you are worrying about it and God is working on it, that's not a good use of your time. That is not a good use of my time. To expend energy, mental energy, emotional energy, sometimes physical energy to continue to worry over a matter that God has given a word on or you know in your heart that he has not gone to sleep on it because he does not sleep nor slumber. And he has said to you that he will not leave you nor forsake you. That in this season and in this thing that you are dealing with, oh, I'm with you in it. And you are victorious already. So why should I worry? And I know worry is a human nature. It's hard. It's, it's, it's tough. It can be tough not to worry. Especially if you're a planner. You know, you like to check your boxes. You like to make sure everything is just, you know, all set. It can be really hard not to worry. But rather than worry, we are encouraged to trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. That is what scripture says to us to do. So that's the second thought. And then we see this, uh, a reminder for someone here today as well. Isaiah 46. Let me read it quickly. Isaiah 46 from verses 9 to 11. It says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure, calling a bed of prey from the seas. From the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken, for I will also bring it to pass. I have proposed it, and I will also do it. That is a word for someone here today. That that word God has given you, 
That promise he has given to you, hold on to it. Someone needs to go and pick up their book where they've written down the promises of God. Dust it up because you've dumped it. Dust it up and remind yourself the things that God has promised you, the things that he has proposed to do for you because his word says, I will do it. I will do it. So now isn't the time for you to despair. Now isn't the time for you to give up. I know someone is wondering in their mind, are we still on this breakfast matter? Yes, we are. Because we realize that it's not only just in love that we get served breakfast. It's in different areas. Breakfast at different points. You know, so we need to help. We need to help ourselves. For some people, it's relationship. For some people, it's that, you know, they're trusting God for a job. They've been out of a job for a bit. For some people, it's a business venture that they had God clearly to start out. And it looks like they're struggling. And they're on the verge of giving up. God is love. He hasn't brought you this far to leave you. The third thing, come and eat breakfast. Jesus makes a direct invitation to the disciples, a direct call to his disciples. He says, come. And you know the interesting thing just preparing this message is I'm reminded of all the other invitations Jesus extends in the scripture. He would say, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. He would give an instruction. He would tell Peter, when Peter would, in fact, this one, Peter asked. He says, Lord, if it is you, when he saw Jesus walking on water, bid me come. And he would say, simple four-letter word, come. So Jesus is always extending invitations to us. God is always extending invitations to us. And I know that every person under the sound of my voice in this room and online has an invitation that has been extended. For someone here today, it is to come out of something, to either a relationship you need to come out of. Because you have been in there for the fear of being heartbroken. You have been there almost as though you are in a prison. You are like, what is out there for me? The ratio of men to women, even the Bible says it. That in the, in the last days or in the latter days, men, it's be how many? One to seven, I'll be one to eight. Aha, uh -huh, one to seven. This one that I now have, I will now come and leave him. You better let me just be collecting the slap like that. We'll be all right. He will change. I will pray for him. He will change. I will go and submit his name on all the mountains. He will change. Let him just be disrespecting me in public. It's okay. It's better. I have bread. It's better than chin chin. It's something. May the Lord deliver you today in the name of Jesus. I don't know whether it is by force to marry. It's good to marry because I'm married. So let, it, let me not speak from it, but marriage is a beautiful thing. But I find that in this generation, there's so much pressure from, I mean, we're not even just this generation, to be honest. Our parents pile pressure on us. They weep our pressure on ourselves. Everybody's looking for that day where they would do their, what's that thing we do on Instagram? Squad goals. Where your, your bridesmaid, that is somebody's vision. That is all you are seeing about marriage. The way your bridesmaids will dance and you would enter formation. That is all that you are thinking about. Ha, Jesus. Marriage is deep, oh. Marriage is deeper than all that. Let's, today is not, we are going to have marriage seminar this year. It's not today that we'll discuss this matter. But your, your, your aspiration cannot be, it, it cannot be foolish. I, and I apologize. I don't mean to sound disrespectful in any way. But that's the truth. Because you get in and then three months down the line, you hear people come and say, Pastor, 
I'm not doing it again. You're not doing what? <laughs> with all the prayer, with all the counseling, with all the what went wrong? Eh, I discovered. You discovered what? When you were supposed to be discovering, what were you put doing? You were sleeping together. I hope there are no children in the room. What were people doing? When you were supposed to be discovering who he is, when he was supposed to be discovering who you were, when people are supposed to be communicating and having important conversations, understanding whether your visions align, whether your belief systems are the same, whether your values are the same, you are kissing and doing what I don't know up and down. Again, today is not the day for that conversation. But come and eat breakfast. That direct instruction is the one we're focusing on here. That direct invitation. And the Holy Spirit reminded me that, look, there are like three categories of people I'm going to touch on very quickly here. The first is people that have been feeding off the wrong source. You've been feeding off the wrong source. So you've been eating, but you have been eating from the wrong source. The Lord will deliver you today in Jesus' name. That simple invitation Jesus would extend, you know, reminds me of his encounter with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who in a bid to fix her life, Jesus saw through the facade, saw through all of the things she was trying to talk about. They said, she's not worshiping her, she's worshiping Jerusalem. Mm -mm. That is not the cocoa of the matter. The matter is deeper than you are, you know, painting it. It is that you, auntie, you have been with how many men? Four men, four husbands. And the one, this fly is back again. And the one that you are, currently living with. It's not even your husband. So, and, and, and I don't want us to trivialize this woman's experience because she was looking for something, looking for love, looking for love, like some of us. She was looking for something. She wanted to feel a void that only God's love could feel. She wanted to be satisfied, but it was not sex that was going to deliver it. It was not skin to skin that would deliver it. It was more than that. And Jesus saw it. He saw the need that was very clearly evident. Even though the, apostles, the disciples missed it. They didn't see it. But Jesus saw. And he would extend an invitation to her. So those of us that are feeding off the wrong source. We need to do a check. What are we looking for? What void are we trying to fill? What problem are we trying to solve that has taken us in different directions? Some of us are changing jobs like it's a piece of clothing. And you're working with the world's strategy that, yes, by the time you move from this bank to this bank to this bank, by the time you've done like five years moving around ten banks, you, you become a manager in a short time. What are you looking for? Please let me ask the person beside what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Because Jesus has an invitation waiting for you. His fact is extending an invitation to you today. And I trust that as, as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is showing you which one is your own. He's bringing to your remembrance the invitation that is yours, that has your name on it. The one that needs to come out of a relationship. The one that needs to come into a relationship. Out of fear, you have refused to move. You have refused to take action because of negative experiences. You don't want your heart broken again. For someone, it is launching out a business. For someone, it is maybe changing a job. Coming out of 
and coming into. For someone, it is coming out of a lifestyle that doesn't glorify God. A lifestyle where there's, that is filled with so much pain and hate. For someone, it is coming out of offense. Let me speak to the married people in the room. Coming out of offense, that seed of offense that has been sown, that there's already root of bitterness germinating. You need to think, you need to think deeply and pray this morning that God will deliver you will set you free from the shackles of offense. Because offense inhibits us from enjoying that which God has designed for our marriages. And I speak as one who's been down this path. I was talking to some, some um, well, I think it's a mix of singles and married people yesterday. Uh, one of our expressions in the Elevation Church, they had a, a session. And I had the privilege to speak to the women. And I was talking about you know, this whole love and respect thing. And I know that women, we roll our eyes when we hear a man needs to be, the, the greatest need for, of a man is respect, closely followed by sex. And, and for a woman, it is love. But the love is not the emotion. It's not the feeling of love. It's that, it, it, it is responsibility. It is respect. It is devotion. It is so many things, but not just the feeling. But I was saying that we want men to love us unconditionally. We are very quick to wield the scripture in Ephesians 5 out and say, you, love, you need to love me like Jesus loved the church, his bride. But we want to respect, or let me use the word honor, conditionally. And I know that's a very tough, uh, you know, it's a tough table. It's a very hard table because we believe, or well, some women believe that a man is to, he has to earn respect. When you, before you marry, you can be of that school of thought. After you have opened your eyes and you have entered the marriage, you cannot be of that school of thought. You have to honor God. If you feel like a man needs to earn your respect for you to respect him, our people are friends, it's okay. But not when you have married. Because guess what? Men will not always act respectably. Amen. Men, I'm not shading you, but it's the truth. Because you are human, guys. I'm making a case for you here. You are human. You are human. You are prone to mistakes. The same way the girl would not always act like her head is screwed on tight all the time. We will make mistakes. We are human. But then, in marriage, to, to, to put your respect heart, to leave it to whether the man has acted respectably or not, is not honoring God. That is not the focus. But people have been feeding off the wrong source. Instead of getting nourishment, and as scripture says, becoming fat and flourishing, what happens is that we're becoming lean. I'm reminded of that scripture, leanness of soul. I think it's in Isaiah 46. Is it Isaiah 46? Sorry, Psalm 106. Speaks about not receiving God's counsel. You know, so they waited on God. They made requests. They were very upset with God. That's the children of Israel. They were very upset with God. But God granted their requests, but also gave them leanness of soul. Some of us are on that leanness of soul tandem. Because you have run with your own agenda. You are feeding from the wrong source. And for someone in, you know, listening to me, it's possibly even spiritual. You are feeding from the wrong source spiritually. You are looking for what is not lost. Jesus remains the way, the truth, and the life. And you need to engage him. You need to encounter him. Let his light and his love flood your life that you can be 
fully satisfied. Another category, quickly, is we are feeding on the wrong stuff. So there's the wrong sauce, and then there is the wrong stuff. And then in the process, you got served. Okay? Your self-esteem is built around, and let me use relationship to explain this. You have built your self-esteem around your relationship. Some of us have built our self-esteem around our job. And so the day we lose our job, it looks like we've lost, it looks like we're about to die. I don't know if anybody can relate. It looks like our lives doesn't make any sense anymore because all we know to do is work. And we get our self-esteem from the work of our hands. We build, we're feeding from, the feeding our lives with the wrong stuff, okay? So, and let me just say this here. Heartbreak and rejection are harder to deal with. Now, this is for relationship. When sex is in the matter for Christians, you ask yourself, why is it such a problem for you to leave this guy now? He's okay. He said he's not doing it again. Why are you still crying? Three months down the line, you're still crying. By the time you drill deep, for a Christian, no, you find out that, oh, they've slept with each other several times and she had assumed that they were going to get married. And again, I apologize, women. I love you all. So it's not, don't, don't be fixated on whether I'm using women as examples or men right now. Sometimes it's the, it, the reverse is the case. I've had dealings with men who have struggled to move on from a relationship because they gave their all for money, their life savings and investment. They have done, uh, you know, parara. <laughs> Thank you. They have done parara. Driving up and down like no tomorrow. They have done driver. They have done houseboy. They have done dry cleaner. They have done everything. Spent money. This Valentine's Day, they have, you know, broken bank. Borrowed money, self. And then she wakes up and says, I don't think it is. You. It's, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> Jesus. May the Lord deliver us all. Amen. Anyone dealing with a heartbreak? If there's anyone in the room or listening online, you're dealing with a heartbreak. May I encourage you to protect your self-esteem. It's so important. See, is your heart they broke? Oh, they did not break your life or your destiny. In fact, I remember one prayer my mom used to pray for me. <laughs> I used to, I didn't used to understand the prayer. She said, even if it remains... Before you say I do, you have already got it to the altar. You know, and she prays in Yoruba. You have already got it. You are wearing your wedding dress. You have already got into the altar. If this is not God's will, before you say I do, my father will scatter it. In my mind, I'm like, why do I have to wait till I get to the altar? That's, too, that's time wasting. Can you like scatter it early? Where the pain is. But hey, a broken relationship is better than a broken marriage, guys. It is so important. This love is not blind, so open your eyes. And if you've not been praying over your marriage or your marital destiny, please start. It's okay to start to invest prayers over your husband or your wife-to-be, over your unborn children. Declare the word of God. See, the seeds, uh, scripture says that our words are spirit and they are life. Some of us are reaping the reward or the, the, the harvest of seeds that have gone ahead. When you plant a seed, it does not germinate immediately, right? We did this a couple months back. When you plant a seed, it doesn't grow immediately. It will take time. It will grow depending on the type of seed it is. But we send forth our words as seed into the earth. And then as we journey, 
we start to enjoy the benefits of it. So don't, don't, don't um, push it to the side. While it is that I'm not advocating also that that's the only prayer you're praying. Your life, you are complete as you are, whether you're single or you're married. God is the one that completes us. It's not a spouse. It's not children. So don't ever feel as if you are missing out on something because you are not married or because you don't have kids yet. All right, the last point. Oh, okay. It looks like I've touched on it. Yeah, you're feeding on the wrong stuff. So I've said feeding off the wrong sauce, feeding on the wrong sauce, uh, feeding on the wrong stuff. Um, you were feeding on the wrong stuff and then you are still feeding on the wrong. So there's some people that are still in that space and I believe I've touched on it. Uh, because of the fear of what people will say, fear of starting over, um, knowing how long it took you to even begin in the first place, fear of a heartbreak, um, step into the morning of your life and ex experience, receive the invitation that Jesus extends. He will say, come and taste, come and see, come and experience, come and be. For someone, it is your being season. Come and be. Come and be who I have called you to be in me. That is an invitation somebody needs to accept today. Let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. And I want us to just, you know, start from this particular point. Come and eat breakfast. Whether you've been served, whether you have, you are dealing with a heartbreak, you're dealing with a rejection. Whether there is, you're, you're dealing with offense, whether you're married and you're really unhappy towards your spouse. They've hurt you and they're moving on with life as if nothing happened, as if it's okay. And you're struggling to handle it because people have told you, eh, there's some issues that you don't have to talk about. You can't talk about everything all the time so that you're not seen as nagging or complaining. Wherever it is that you are, can I ask that you just present your heart before God this morning? And ask him to heal you. Ask him to heal your heart. And if you're here, you're not dealing with heartbreak. This is not you. Heartbreak, rejection, you're, 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 you're fine. This is not you at all. Can you ask that God will strengthen your love walk in the name of Jesus? I want us all to just ask the Holy Spirit. Open my eyes to see the invitation that you are extending to me. In what area of my life do I need to emerge? What area of my life do I need to come and be? Where do I need to come and taste? Where do I need to come and experience? Where do I need to come and see? Father, this morning I am accepting your invitation. Where you are calling me to be more than I am right now. Where you are calling me to step out of something that isn't working. Where you are asking me to step into something that isn't working this morning, Lord. By faith, I accept your invitation. In the name of Jesus. Can someone just declare, you know, Referencing the scripture in Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. Father, help me comprehend the love of God. Help me comprehend your love. Help me comprehend your love. Regardless of what it is that I am dealing with. Regardless of where I've been. Regardless of what my journey has been. Regardless of my negative experiences. Regardless of the things that I've walked. That's for someone here who you feel like, well, this isn't really me. I'm enjoying God. But there is more in God for you. And he's calling you to come and experience the more that is in me. Come up higher. Come up higher. Come up deeper. You know, grow deep roots in me. That is the call. That is the invitation being extended to you. 
So this morning, come and say, Father, help me understand your love. Help me appreciate your love. And I'll just read from the Passion Translation. It says, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. I declare this morning in the name of Jesus that the life of Christ is released deep in you as you continue on this journey of faith with Jesus, that the resting place of his love will become your very source and the root of your life. In the name of Jesus, you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. Oh, I pray for someone here today that you begin to have love experiences in the name of Jesus. All of the questions you are asking, you need just an encounter. Just one encounter, we fix it. So today we agree all across the room and online for love encounters in the name of Jesus that living here today oh you will begin to see God at work you begin to see the father at work you begin to understand the depths of his love you begin to understand the magnitude of his love in the name of Jesus I want us to pray if you're here and you're you know you're struggling with relation there's something that you know is lurking around and you don't have a good good feeling about it can we just agree together and declare that every trap every trap of desperation Everything that looks like the enemy is trying to set a trap for you. Some people are coming around you and you know, this isn't God. Can we declare and agree to get in the name of Jesus a separation? Let's command a separation that the Lord will preserve you. You are hid in Christ in God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, would you declare divine direction and divine connections? We agree together that relationships are being birthed. In the name of Jesus, love relationships, uh, business relationships, career relationships, professional relationships, friendships. For that person who feels really lonely and you're saying, God, I don't even have a friend. There's no one that I can talk to. No, no one really cares about me. Oh, scripture says that God sets the solitude in families. Today we pray for you that you would find your tribe. Your tribe will find you in the name of Jesus. The people that God would value, valuable friendships will locate you in the name of Jesus as you also position yourself to be a valuable friend. We pray Father and we agree together Lord that you will set the solitary in families in the name of Jesus. We pray for divine connections all across the room. Anyone who's trusting you for a business connection a relational connection, a, a, a marital connection. Lord, we agree together today, Lord. Let it be in the name of Jesus. And I want to pray for the married folks in the room or, or, or watching online. Uh, can we just agree together, everyone who's married, and just say, Lord, we're experiencing new wine in our marriages in the name of Jesus. New wine. We're experiencing freshness. In our homes, we're expressing freshness. In the name of Jesus, where there has been staleness, where there has been dryness, we command the oil of joy to flow into such areas. We command freshness into such areas. We declare new wine flows in the name of Jesus, where there has been struggle with communication. Lord, we declare that our tongues are loosed, Lord. We understand each other better. In the name of Jesus, where there is conflict, Father, we ask that your spirit will mediate. Holy Spirit, breathe and brood upon our hearts. Oh, show us the power of peace and 
grants us wisdom to be able to resolve issues amicably. In the name of Jesus, we declare no marriage in life points will end in divorce. In the name of Jesus, no marriage will come to an end. In the name of Jesus, we declare, Lord, that everyone is strengthened in their union. In Jesus' name. And I want to pray for a very, you know, small sector of people. If you're here and maybe you're a single parent or you're divorced, you know, we declare and we agree over you today in the name of Jesus. We pray for new beginnings for you. We declare new beginnings, new beginnings. In the name of Jesus, that the Lord would open your eyes to see. You will know how to journey. He will divinely connect you. That which appears to have been a mistake, just as Pastor Godman declared over us at the start of the year, we declare it will be turned around into a miracle in the name of Jesus. And I want to just give someone an opportunity here today. We've spoken about the nature of God being love. We've spoken about the need to be connected to Him and to live our lives for Him. He's able to fix. He's able to change and transform us. If you're that person in the room, you've been far from God. Maybe you used to know him before and you have strayed. Or you've never really even given your heart to him. Can we invite you on this journey? Can we invite you to embrace his love? He loves you dearly and deeply. He gave himself for you. All across the room, all eyes closed, all heads bowed. Can we give them the privacy of the moment? If that is you, just raise your hand and I will say a prayer with you. This is so important. I did this some, what now? 22 years ago. And my life has not remained the same again. Tested and trusted. I have experienced and I am experiencing him and the depths of his love. And he keeps blowing my mind always. It doesn't mean that I don't have struggles. It doesn't mean that I've not experienced pain. But he's in there with me. And so I am not alone. I'm strengthened to be able to undergo whatever life throws at me. I have shared my personal experience just so you know that God is good. God is kind. God is merciful. So don't miss out on an opportunity to give your heart to him. So if that is you, just raise your hand and I'll please say this prayer after me. Dear Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge that I have been far from you. I confess my sins and I receive your forgiveness. I receive your mercy and I receive your grace. I ask, Father, that you will help me live a life that pleases you. Help me journey with you. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. Make me whole. Transform my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for everyone who has said this prayer. We give you all praise. We thank you because we know the host of heaven rejoices over this one and we are glad. We say welcome home to them. Lord, we ask that you will keep these ones. You will sustain them. You would guide them. You would lead them by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Now, if you said that prayer, yeah, please go ahead and celebrate everyone who's giving their heart to Jesus. Awesome. Okay, so if you said that prayer, maybe you didn't indicate because if you had indicated, our ushers should have put in um, a card. And the reason why we do that is we want to be able to support you on this journey with resources. 
feel free to walk up to me or to any of the ushers or any of the uh, protocol uh, team members or pastors if you can recognize us and let us know that well I gave my heart to Jesus but I didn't raise my hand okay we'd love to have a chat with you all right if you have been blessed by today's service you want to put those hands together and celebrate God yes 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 hallelujah thank you for listening to a message from the Life Point Church to download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.